All right, Steeler fans, it is time. We go behind enemy lines every Friday on the Let's Ride podcast. And today, getting ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars in week eight at Acrisure Stadium. From the Jaguar Report, John Shipley. John, how's it going? Hey, it's going good, my friend. How you doing? Doing great. John covers the Jaguars for Fans First Sports Network. I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, the one thing, I feel like the Jaguars are very much similar to the Steelers, not in all, not in all areas, we'll put it that way. And the fact that, I just can't get a feel for this team. Like right when you think you got them figured out, something happens, a game happens, a poor performance. And next thing you know, you're wondering, what is this? Who are they? So my question for you, they won four in a row, just came back from overseas. What's your takeaway on this Jaguars team? I mean, I think a lot of fans in the NFL, not just the Steelers, who's the opponent this week, they're kind of wondering like, what, what to make of this team? What do we make of the Jaguars in 2023? Yeah, I really think that they're starting to click and, really starting to hit their stride as a team, you know, on, on both sides of the ball. I think definitely that first month of the season probably had a lot of people maybe scratching their heads. I and mean, even internally, I, I think there was some clear frustration by the team themselves, you know, especially after a week three 20 point loss at home to the, a Houston Texans team that had basically its entire secondary and offensive line injured. You know, I, I think that really did wake them up a good bit. I mean, even players have spoken to it the last couple of weeks that, they started off the season basically thinking they could roll out of bed and hang with any team. And after getting punched in the mouth by the Texans, it just seems like they've really picked up on, you know, the energy, the overall consistency. It, it feels like that was a wake up call type loss for them. So the last month of the season, the last four or three games, they've been, you know, incredibly consistent. Each game has kind of had the same tell, you know, a strong defense, a strong run defense, a lot of turnovers and an offense that still probably isn't like, as high powered as they would hope to be, or as they were supposed to be coming into the season. But I also think some optimism you can find in that is you look across the NFL and there's not a lot of prolific offenses right now. You know what I mean? Even the best one, Miami has still had two games on their schedule where they just have had complete clunkers. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a really good point. And so you think about, I look at the offense and, and is this an offense, the Jacksonville offense that is, it can kill you either way. Do they have the running game? I know Travis Etienne is a, is a different style back. He's not necessarily your three yards in a cloud of dust type back. He's going to want space. You got to give him a hole and he can hit it and he can take it the distance. He's got that type of breakaway speed. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence, you look at the weapons that he has at his disposal with Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. What, what exactly is the bread and butter of this offense right now? I, I, I really think it's, you know, that versatility is the ability to adapt and no matter what defense or scheme that you're playing, you can kind of lean on one different thing. I mean, when you consider their investments at wide receiver, tight end and running back, you would hope that they'd be a team like that. They haven't had a very efficient running game, you know, for much of the season. A lot of it has been ETN kind of, you know, putting the running game on his back in certain mm-hmm. spots. You know, their philosophy as a team and Doug Peterson's philosophy is kind of, you know, throw to score and run the win, which, you know, to them is let's try to throw early in games, try to get up early in games and use the running game to close it out. But that's where they've struggled this year. Like they've really struggled offensively playing with a lead. It doesn't feel like that they have a running game that can close games out. So their running game almost feels more potent in the first half when they're trying to get up on teams than it does in the second half when they're trying to put the game away. Well, that's interesting, which is kind of a good segue into my next question about the offenses. Every offense in the National Football League, even the high, high-flying high Miami Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, you talk about those high-profile offenses. They do have their areas that are maybe weaknesses in the right term, but they're 
they're they're not strengths. It's something that they don't do as well as other parts. What is that for Jacksonville? Where are they struggling right now, if anywhere on offense? Yeah, I think it's absolutely the interior offensive line. I think you can look at either, you know, pass pro or run blocking. I think that's the spot on the offense that has really kind of thrown a wrench into things. You know, they've really kind of turned Trevor Lawrence and the passing game in general into a quick hitting type of system and really trying to decrease, you know, his time to throw, try to get the ball off his hands quickly. And I firmly believe it's because of the interior offensive line struggles and they'll, their inability to hold up in protection for long developing plays. You know, Brandon Scherf, you know, he's been a good right guard his entire career. And, you know, he's obviously well-respected in Jacksonville, but he's battled two ankle injuries already, and it's, you know, week eight. So he clearly isn't playing 100%. Uh, Luke Fortner, second-year, third-round pick. It, it, it feels like – all the positives for him are things that you don't really see on film or can quantify. They're always like, Oh, he does a great job setting protections. He's really smart, etc. And he's good at blocking in space, but he really struggles, you know, in, in inside, especially with, you know, longer more powerful type of nose tackles and defense tackles in general. And then left guard, you know, they've had three different starting left guards this year, you know, between Ben Barch, walk a little and Tyler Shatley. Chatley is like a really good glue guy who can play guard and center in a pinch, but he's kind of like the garden Minshew of offensive linemen. Like if he has to go in at halftime of a game, yeah, that's, you know, that's perfectly fine, but you don't want him starting for like four or five weeks in a row. It's a good point. And that's something that the Steelers obviously, you know, they, they don't have the strongest defensive front up the middle based on Cam Hayward being on injured reserve and not going to be coming off anytime soon. Uh, young Keanu Benton might be a name to watch out for the, He's a rookie, uh, second-round pick out of Wisconsin. He's been doing some damage in limited snaps, so maybe they'll unleash him a little bit more. But I want to ask about Trevor Lawrence. Is his knee healthy? Because I feel like with Trevor Lawrence, the one part of his game that, at least from what I hear and what I watch, a lot of people don't talk about his mobility and his willingness to run the ball because he can break off some big runs. He is very athletic. But that knee injury, which happened prior to this little mini-bye because they played on Thursday Night Football, what are, what's what's the current status on his knee? It's funny, like Trevor, was, I, I feel like was talked about as, you know, a, the best quarterback prospect since Luck and Manning, et cetera, that people just assumed he was like this pure pocket guy who's going to go through every read and he's not going to yeah. play hero ball. Like, no, he's he's going to play hero ball. I mean, the whole entire reason he's hurt is because he got hurt on a play where instead of just going down for a short sack, he tried to keep the play alive. Like he's He's not built like Josh Allen, but he plays a lot like him just in terms of, you know, the never letting a play die type thing. So I, I think mobility is a big part of his game. Uh, he, he's obviously not 100 percent, but I'd also I'd also venture to say I'm not sure how much that matters because, I mean, you watch him against the Saints and he had the best rushing day of his career, broke off almost two 20 plus yard runs. And they weren't design runs either. It was just yeah. seeing the Saints playing man coverage and seeing those gaps in the defense. And even with the knee brace on, and it was, he said it was his first time ever wearing a knee brace for a game. He's probably going to wear it Sunday. Even with that on, like, I, I didn't think his movement looked really uh, conflicted at all. I, I'd say if there's one part of his game that they maybe do differently with him being injured, it's, you know, maybe some. Of more of a quick passing game, you know, fewer long developing pass plays, fewer plays where you're moving him out of the pocket on purpose. But just him as a runner, I think I don't think that's going to go away. Does he have a a favorite target? Is there is there someone that hey, if things break down and he's going to this guy, or is it more just hey, whatever's open because they do have a lot of weapons? And I'd even bring up the tight end who's having a very prolific season. Mike Tomlin spoke glowingly of him on Tuesday. Who is his go to target if things break down? 
Yeah, I, I think he has a couple different guys, and he he always, in my opinion, does a good job of finding the open guy on a certain play. You know, he sees the mm-hmm. field really well, so I don't think he's you know looking the one guy specifically. But I will say, you know, over the last two years in Doug Peterson's system, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram have kind of been you know the glue yeah. guys of the offense. They've been the guys that he's been able to go to time and time again in big moments. I mean. Thursday night football, Kirk basically, you know, won them the game with a 44-yard catch and run. And Kirk is somebody who they love targeting in the slot against teams who are, you know, similar to Pittsburgh, teams who blitz, play a decent amount of man coverage. Those are the teams that they like targeting Kirk a lot because Lawrence trusts that he's going to get open and get open quickly underneath. It's going to be a really interesting matchup with Pittsburgh. They're not used to going against teams, especially in the AFC North, that don't necessarily want to lean on that ground game. You talk about your Clevelands, your Baltimores, even Cincinnati. They want to establish the ground game. But it almost seems like they want to come out and throw the ball, open things up that way, which, hey, it works for them, but it'll be an interesting matchup. Let's go to, the, in my opinion, the lesser-known side of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is the defensive side, and they're really good, and they're good top to bottom. And it's, it's, a, it's a situation where you mentioned the injuries, in prior seasons and earlier this year, what is the status of their defense right now from a health standpoint? Yeah, I mean, the status of defense is honestly they're getting guys back. I mean, yeah, Tyson Campbell, I feel like probably won't play this week. You know, he's their best defensive back, probably their second or third best defender, you know, depending on how you see Josh Allen and Foya Luakun. But he's a really good player. I don't think he plays this week with a hamstring injury. You'll have second year, seventh round pick, Monteric Brown in there opposite of Darius Williams. He's probably, you know, the Saints tried to pick on him a good bit. They didn't find a lot of success at it, but they found some. But otherwise, it, it looks like there's a real chance Devon Hamilton might make his season debut this year. You know, he, he's one of the lesser known, like more underrated interior defensive linemen in the NFL. He's just, he, he's a top tier nose tackle in terms of run defense, but he also can provide a good, you know, push and some juice for the pass rush. They haven't had him all year because of a back injury, but he, he had, you know, I've covered him his whole career. He had the best training camp of his life, you know, this year before his back injury, he looked like he was about to have a career year. So that's big. They just got the one smoot back who has always been a key part of their pass rush rotation. And they haven't even like eased him into things after an Achilles injury. He's played like, I want to say almost 90 snaps in the two games since returning. Wow. And then Devin Lloyd, you know, the first-round pick last year, he missed both London games due to a thumb injury, but he's come back the last two weeks and has probably played, in my opinion, the two best games of his career. The only thing limiting is he's wearing, like, a full-on cast, so he's dropped, I think, three interceptions in the last two games simply because (laughs) of that, but otherwise, they're trending up. What is their bread and butter? I talked about that on the offensive side. Let's talk about it on the defense. What do they do the best? What is the the thing they hang their hat on? Yeah, so – you know, you always see that third down is the money down in the NFL, and there are so many defensive coordinators who are living to get the third down, but the Jaguars are the opposite. You know, they see first down as the money down. They want to dominate teams on first down and force them into second and longs, third and longs, and so they really pride themselves on their run defense. You know, even a couple weeks ago, you know, the, the Colts would come out in 11 personnel, so three receivers, and the Jaguars would stick with their three, four, you know, personnel and really force them into a heavy box regardless because, you know, they're, 
daring teams to basically throw on them on first down because they're selling out so much against a run on first down. And they've been incredibly efficient at doing that so far. And then once they do get you into those third longs, they have a lot of exotic blitz packages. You know, they do a lot of stunting on third down. So basically they'll look very basic on first and second down. They'll basically load the box and try to stuff the run. And then on third down, that's where they try to get creative and you know try to create pressure in their own way through scheme. Is the weakness in the secondary with the injuries? And you mentioned a seventh round pick possibly getting the start and that the Saints tried to target him. I'm sure that with the Pittsburgh Steelers, with Deontay Johnson, and you also bring in George Pickens, a very dynamic, big, tall, fast receiver, they might be thinking similar. Is that where the weakness would be on the defense? I do think so. I think that if Tyson Campbell is healthy, the weakness would be the pass rush's death. I, okay. Josh Allen's having – yeah, best year of, of his NFL career so far. He already has seven sacks. I believe he's top 10 in pressures and win rate per PFF. But outside of him, they've basically have gotten nothing in terms of pass rush. Like last week, I, I think they had 19 pressures as a team and Allen had 11 of them. So, you know, he's, wow. he, he's basically putting the entire pass rush on his back. So I think a combination of that, I think if you can find a way to neutralize Allen, then you can find some plays in the passing game because otherwise they just aren't getting home. And then they have a seven round pick out there. corner. Very similar to the Steelers playing against Aaron Donald last week in Los Angeles with a defensive front that really is just Aaron Donald. <laughs> you can take him out. You might actually open up some things. It's easier said than done, as the Steelers found out last week, even though they were able to make enough plays to win. I have to bring this up because I normally don't with my guests, but last week I didn't say anything about special teams. The kicker for the Rams ends up missing three kicks, two field goals, and an extra point. Ends up being a huge difference maker in the game. How are the Jaguars on special teams? So in week three, they had one of the worst special teams games I've ever seen. They, had, they missed the kick, had a kick blocked, and almost returned for a touchdown, and then allowed a fullback to take a muffed kickoff for like 85 yards for a touchdown. Other than that, like everything could go wrong type game. They've been really good on special teams. Okay. They had one turnover on special teams last week where a practice squad guy who got elevated basically didn't hear the getaway call from the punt returner and Doug Peterson attributed it to the crowd noise in the Superdome. Otherwise, I mean, they, They've been, you know, Brandon McManus has elevated their kicker position. And a lot of people were surprised when they let go of last year's kicker, Riley Patterson, because he made a game winner against the Chargers. But they didn't trust his leg at all. And with yeah. McManus, like he's made several kicks over 50 yards. They trust his range. Logan Cook's one of the more efficient punters in the league. Uh, they really pride themselves on that punt coverage units. Like other, other than one horrific return against the Texans. Yeah. They've had really good return units. So I think their special teams unit has been pretty consistent across the board outside of one day, the entire team probably wants back. Yeah. And I just think, like I said, I normally don't bring it up, but after last week, I'm like, maybe I should start asking this question in these interviews based well, on the fact that it matters. And, and last week they threw out a, a fake punt, you know, passing oh. the punter ends up picking 15 up yards. I, I think he's like done like seven of those in his career and he's like seven of seven or something like that. So they, you know, he's a for, former high school quarterback. They're not afraid to let him air it out now and then. Hey, that's a good little nugget. I appreciate that. Now I do have to ask you for about predictions. Some people that have come on my show said, Jeff, I'm not going to do a numbers prediction. That's not my thing. That's fine. You don't have to. The current spread that I have in front of me is the Steelers getting two and a half points at home, a home dog with a total of 42 points. John, like I said, you don't have to give me a specific score, but you can just tell me how do you see this game shaking out? Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be two, you know, 
strong defensive teams, you know, in general against each other. I, I think that the Jaguars, they're still shooting themselves in the foot a little too much on offense to put up a ton of points. I think, you know, TJ Watt against a rookie right tackle and Anton Harrison will probably cause some issues. The, the Jaguars earlier this year made a big mistake against the Chiefs. They basically left Harrison on an island against Chris Jones. So I wouldn't expect them to make that same mistake twice, but yeah. I still think that will lead to not a high-scoring game. But on the flip side – I just think the Jaguars defense is playing too well and is too talented for, you know, the Steelers to get, you know, much. I, I think George Pickens will get his now and then just because he's George Pickens. But I see Jaguars 20, Steelers 16, and mm, a close game, good. a physical game, a low-scoring relatively game, but a game that I think that the Jaguars, you know, just where they're at as a team and the quarterback advantage will help get them over the top. Which really, outside of the 2017 divisional round game, and then even the game earlier that season, which was week five in 2017, most games against Jacksonville and Pittsburgh are very low scoring. They come down to the end, and they're very, very physical. So we'll see if that holds true. John, why don't you give everyone out there a chance to let them know where they can find your work, both on the podcast side, the written side, and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at underscore John underscore Shipley. Uh, Jaguar report is, you know, at sports illustrated fan nations where I do my writings at si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. And then, you know, of course on FFSN, the Jaguar report podcast, we, you know, record twice a week, one time early in the week, one time late in the week, and we make sure to bring it with the takes. So make sure you tune in. Absolutely. John, good luck this weekend. Thanks for taking the time. We'll talk soon. I'm sure. Thanks, Jeff. No problem.